Hey there, wordsmiths and sentence sculptors. It's time for another voyage on the right shift with yours truly, Tim King at the helm. Strap in as we navigate the perilous stormy seas of freelance copywriting. If you're a fresh recruit still gawking at the enormity of your very first project or a battle-hardened vet who has stared down an absolutely monstrous use of a semicolon in the final draft, this is your sanctuary. Together we'll traverse the exhilarating peaks, abysmal troughs, and all of the caffeinated chaos in between that make up this incredible journey. So fasten your seatbelts, clutch that comforting mug of liquid motivation, and brace yourself for another epic adventure into the untamed or inspiring expanse of freelance copywriting. Welcome to the Right Shift. All right, Word Wizards, today's guest is someone who's taken the world of copywriting by storm in just a few years. He's a man who knows his way around compelling website copy and evidently a good pint of Guinness as well. They don't let Nick's love of a frothy brew mislead you. When it comes to crafting copy, he's as serious as they come. In just three years, he's carved out a niche for himself by writing engaging B2C website copy that doesn't just speak to customers, it speaks to customers who are genuinely passionate about the businesses he represents. So whether you're a fan of a well-poured Guinness or a well-penned sentence, you're in for a treat today. Friends, buckle up and let's get ready to dive into the deep insights, experiences and the word-weaving magic of Mr. Nick Petru. Nick, welcome to The Right Shift. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. And I'm flattered. That was a lovely introduction. <laughs> no, no problem at all. Um, yeah, look, so I suppose to start the podcast off, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into freelance copywriting? Oh, easy. So pretty much I've been writing with intent for about seven years now, and it started in the domain of fiction. That happens with a lot of, cop a lot of copywriters, actually. Um, and then I realized that earning money through fiction is quite difficult, even more difficult than they say it is. And about three years into that journey, I was like, what, like, how can I make money off the skills that I've already been developing naturally through writing heaps of short stories and D&D &D adventures and interactive fiction and all of that. And naturally I landed on, on content writing and copywriting. I um, went to Reddit first and foremost and ended up landing a uh, content writing job for a YouTube channel. It was actually a bloke who owned several YouTube channels. One of them was on World War II, one of them was on Star Wars, and a couple of the other little ones. I won't go into those, but those were the two heavy lifters. And I ended up writing scripts for him for about two years and eight months. And then at that point, I was like, I've sort of done and dusted with that, learned all that I can, and I'm ready to move on to something a bit more lucrative. And then that's when I made the transition from content writing into copywriting, and I've been doing that for about nine months now. Yeah, that's, that's the story in a nutshell. Yeah, right. Fantastic. So uh, you said you started at fiction. What, what was it about fiction that, that grabbed you initially? Or is it a childhood dream to be like a fiction writer? Like you used to read these epic novels and be like, yeah, I could do that. I think it started with, I'd have all of these like fantasies and imaginings in my mind. And I just wanted to get them out of my head and put them onto paper. And then I started to realize that I've got a bit of a way with words and the actual writing of the words was the part that I enjoyed and the stringing together of like, you know, pretty sentences and whatnot. I started to enjoy like the writing of prose itself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's that, that uh, attraction to a turn of phrase, the ability to be able to, you know, I suppose, you know, paint a word picture as if you want to break it right down into that kind of methodology. That's um, correct. Yeah. I really like vivid writing. Yeah, right. And, and you said, so you've, you've written a bit of fiction. You said you also written a few, you know, D&D things as well. T tell us about sort of just the, the volume of things you've written in that fiction world first. 
So in terms of fiction, I really try and focus on the speculative stuff. So like horror and fantasy and science fiction. And mostly what I've written in that realm has been like short stories and, and flash fiction pieces. And for about two years, something like that, I've sort of slowed down now. I was submitting stories. So I was writing quite frequently. I'd wake up at six in the morning and, and write on a work on my fiction till like eight or nine or 10. And then I put that aside and I'd move back to like my actual paid work. But um, during that time, it was sort of like um, a production line. You know, I was just trying to get as many good stories out into the world as possible, submitting them to all sorts of different magazines, some in Australia, some, you know, like worldwide. And I had a bit of luck with that, but I never really broke through to like pro-rate magazines. I had a few close calls. It was so, so close. But then, yeah, got the old close but no cigar from them, which was a little bit upsetting. But, you know, it thickened my skin, that's for sure. Yeah, look, a thick skin, uh, as you probably know now in the world of copywriting, that's something that um, I think we all have to develop uh, as copywriters because we, it's not so much rejection, but it's more, you'll always be pitching for work and you're pitching for new work all the time. Um, and because you're doing that, you know, there's inevitably an amount of people who are just going to be like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that service. So it, it does, it does take a bit of a, a knock at the, the old copywriter soul there for a while. Absolutely. Um, so tell me, um, you know, when you when you're pitching clients, actually, how do you how do you how do you get your clients? What's the um, what's, I don't know. <laughs> you, you, so uh, like you obviously get out there and then uh, in the world. So when 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 do you uh, when do you you know spruik your stuff? How do you how do you get into the heads of people to be able to start coming working with you? Well, pretty much at the moment, I'll be honest, I've been winging it. So a lot of mouth. Uh, the word of mouth and a lot of like in-person networking and a little bit of like the job board from the clever copywriting communities um, website. Uh, I'm not, I don't actually think I've landed. No, I've landed a little bit of work through LinkedIn, but not too much. It's it's just been a bit of this and a bit of that. And I'm I'm actually trying to systemize it a lot at the moment. That's what I'm focusing on, trying to like actually define what my sales pipeline is essentially like how am i actually getting people in um so yeah it's all pretty i'm 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 winking it a lot of the time i, I love it the old uh, the old seat of the pants approach like, i mean i think we all yeah. we all kind of started that sort of spot at least so like getting that that really strong process of i suppose and i hate to call it like a lead generation engine because then i start sounding like some wanky marketer on linkedin yeah but um yeah it, it's it's getting that, that that few things in the pipeline to be able to just i suppose kick it off and, and something that's going to work for you um all right so we, we've had a bit of a chat about you know sort of where you've come from and this sort of what you're doing right now how you get your clients can you describe to me your daily writing routine what do you what, what gets you out of bed in the morning like what do you do do you first slam down a cup of coffee do you uh, like what, what, what's the thing that gets you out of bed? So as soon as I wake up and I try and get up at six every day, I'll roll over, like literally my bed is right next to my desk and I will do a morning brain dump. Essentially I'll just for about 10 to 15 minutes, write the, whatever is on my mind, like pure stream of consciousness. And often it becomes quite reflective. I'll reflect on my previous day of, you know, life or business, anything, anything that I can think of. And that just helps me get all of the rubbish out so then I can focus on my important tasks for the rest of the day. That's been such a powerful little ritual. And pretty much after that, so, you know, I might do that from 6 till 
then I'll read over my uh, definite purpose statement, which is just, it's from that Think and Grow Rich book by Napoleon Hill. And it's pretty much just like a little, it's almost like a prayer. It's like, this is what I want and this is how I'm going to get it, you know? And I say that every single morning and then I will go into my copywriting stuff. And what I'd like to focus on first and foremost is the most difficult and most important project of the day. So then I can start the, my day at, at pace, you know, at a sprint. Um, I work till about eight and then I stop and I have a half an hour break where I'll have my coffee and watch stupid shit on YouTube. And then by about 8.30, I'm, I'm back at the computer and I'll work through till about 2.30 on copywriting and uh, business stuff. But any at any point throughout those hours between, uh, yeah, well, I think I said about 8.30 till, till 2.30, at any point, if I'm like, I'm stressed, I need to go for a walk, I need to do some exercise, and I'll just go and do that. I actually consider those activities a part of my work day. Like that's part of my work process, you know. And then after that, after 2.30, after sort of 3, if I want to continue working, I will. But if I want to stop, that's fine. You know, I've already been smashing it for several hours. And at that point, if I want to call it a day, I can. And that's the beauty of being a freelancer. Yeah. I love that you've, uh, I love that you've said that you, you bake in, uh, or at least you consider as a part of your work day, part of your actual work is you stepping away from the work. I love yeah. that because it's such a, a huge thing. I think, I mean, I'm uh, the sort of person who's done this plenty of times in my past before, and that is just, you sort of go, okay, clock start and just go, you just absolutely go for 12 hours or, or not, maybe not the entire 12 hours, but you know, you're, you're, you're pushing pretty hard to be able to get like some stuff done. I know in the last couple of weeks, I've launched this podcast. I've launched, a, I'm launching another thing at the background, I've got a business I'm running. Um, and that level of ambition can take over sometimes and, and you end up just working just enormous amounts of hours. So I love the fact you've, you've got in some, some self care, um, and some other little, little parts of that. That's, that's really great. In, in the first, you know, nine months of, of you, you working, obviously, as you said before, um, and, you know, for the last three years, kind of doing some, some work in the, the industry, what are the maybe like two or three lessons that you've, you've learned just over the time that have really opened your eyes, like that you've sort of turned around and gone like, wow, this is very different to how I expected copywriting to be? Not so much about copywriting, but I have learned very much in the past couple of months, the power of like face-to-face -face networking and joining networking groups with intent. That has probably been the biggest lesson for me since I started this whole thing. And I only really came to terms with that. Yeah. Like two, three months ago, that's a, that's been a game changer. It's just got my head in exactly the right place. Uh, like, I feel like I've got a nice clear target ahead of me after beginning to do that in-person networking, because I'm seeing how other people are running their businesses and even just understanding that, you know, people who own businesses aren't just like these, these corporate fools, which I might've initially perceived them to be. They're just regular people and they're, they're all lovely. And that's, that's been super eye-opening for me as well. So yeah, not so much to do with copywriting, but just running a business in general, that's been a big one. In terms of copywriting specifically, I think coming to terms with the fact that all of my fiction writing and all the previous writing that I have done is still making me a better copywriter today, especially in terms of storytelling and using storytelling in my copywriting, like understanding the structure of a story and the, the fact that it needs to be, you know, playing on people's heartstrings. You know, you want to, if you can make someone fall in love with a character in a story, then you can maybe make a potential customer fall in love with like a product or service. So realizing the crossover of those two things has been um, important to me, but also realizing 
that they aren't completely compatible skills and that, you know, where you would want to maybe express a bit of a flourish in your fiction, you might not want to do that in your copywriting. You might have to be a little bit more concise or a little bit more focused, uh, a little bit less focused on the, on the prose itself and the words themselves, so to speak, as opposed to focused on the potential customer and their problems and how your product and solution is going to solve those problems. So those, those two things have been, they've been on the surface of my mind, especially in these past couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. All right. So you're talking about storytelling. Um, what is it in the, like for, for other people out there, other copywriters out there who might be struggling with the storytelling component, what is it about sort of like, you know, being able to tell a, a really great story from start to finish, or even just, you know, a part of a story to be able to compel a person to, to go and do an action with like, most copywriting is about um, selling something, getting someone to click on something, taking an offer, you know, just finding out more information about the thing. What is it about storytelling, particularly for you, that connects you to the material that you're writing as well? Well, I think storytelling is how we communicate in general, like pretty much since language and society have been a thing like that, that's how we communicate with each other. So it's natural that we would use that in copywriting as well. But it's, it's pretty much like painting a picture so someone can um, put themselves in the shoes of that the person you've painted a picture of. So you might be like, okay, Bob had this problem and he tried everything, but he couldn't find any sort of solution for it. And it was really bringing him down. But then, you know, he found our product and it's changed his life, you know? It's just like grounding marketing, I think. You know, it's bringing it back to like that uh, human level, then we can understand it because we've all got problems and we all want to find solutions to those problems. and yeah, once again, storytelling is how we communicate with each other. So it's just only natural, I think. Instead of just having like, you know, flashy copy, like sale and all of that stuff, it doesn't, like, I don't connect with that sort of stuff. Like I like to feel the human connection between myself and a, a brand and the thing that they're doing, you know, that's important to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's, that you know, gets it right down to the crux of it. You hit the nail on the head right at the top. No, it's storytelling has been the way we used to have, you know, oral tradition and history and everything would be passed mm -hmm. down. So it, you know, it obviously makes sense to be able to embed that into the world of copywriting. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to rip the covers off. Um, talk to me about your biggest nightmare client of this, the, the moment where you've turned around and you've gone, ah, oh, man, you know, actually I dropped the ball on this one or, you know, maybe it was something that just happened yeah. during the process that, uh, that threw you out. I don't think I've had anything that I would classify as nightmarish yet, you know, touch wood. But like the, the closest thing was when I had a client uh, where the communication with between us like slowly sort of petered out. Like I emailed and called them and they kept making promises of soon, like we'll get back to you soon regarding um, revisions for the first draft. And it dragged on and on like that for like months. And I got really tired of it and then eventually sent them an email saying like, you know, because I'd not gotten what I need from them to continue the pro project um, in a certain amount of time. And as per my T's and C's, which, you know, they'd signed off on that, like my proposals expired. And if they want to continue with the project, then I'm going to do up a new proposal and a new quote. And that must have pissed them off because suddenly they said they weren't happy with the copy at all. And they're going to pull the plug on the project. And it was sort of like, you know, you can't fire me because I quit, you know, like that sort of mentality. And I think they, yeah, they must have gotten angry with my matter of fact email and kind of, I guess, wanted to show me who's boss or something like that. Um, and I was just really like stoked to not have to deal with them anymore. So I didn't push it. I actually 
made a post about this in the clever copywriting community and everyone said no no chase it up like you know continue try and make the project work send them the new proposal like ask them what they didn't like about the first draft and i was like honestly this is the out i needed like it was just pain from the from the very beginning so i only really took that gig because honestly i was desperate i needed it and i undercharged for it and i i worked too hard and in the end i got screwed over um and i should have just like went with my instincts from the start and not taken the the job it was not worth it in the end. Yeah, I think we've we a lot of us would have stories similar to that as well. I think we've it's been really attractive. It looks like oh, this is going to be a great brand to work with. This is going to be a great individual, and then um, like you know, all the positive noises at the top of the on the surface. But then once you actually rip those covers off, once you get below the below the surface, and you're you're in the weeds and you're waiting for the that forever spin of just uh, it's been three weeks and I haven't heard back from this client or I can't mm. get consistent communication. Um, from what I've found from my time in copywriting, uh, that that level of communication, if if it's pretty much the biggest red flag for me, yeah. if they don't have a good level of, of consistent communication, then you know immediately I'm I'm kind of you know, offset a little bit, and I'm like, okay, red flag number one, big big waving right in front of my face, they're not going to get back to me that that well. I've had a client recently that um, it's taken them two months just to sign off the piece of work, like it's been completed, it's they've paid for it, it's it's out in the world. But they've uh, they took two months to be able to, to sign off. I think I, I might have followed them up about eight times, just to say, can you just sign off the last bit? Of yeah, that's super frustrating. Don't own the copyright, so you know it's really really strange one. But um, I've, yeah. I've been a, like I've actually removed that final sign off from my process because I'm like, look, I've sent them an email. I said we're all done. You know, this is the final draft. And if they say in email, like, yeah, cool, we're really happy with it. That's enough for me at the moment. I feel like I'm trying to reduce that paperwork as much as possible and reduce the things that the client has to do as much as possible. And when I first designed my, you know, like beginning of project to end of project structure, it had every single step accounted for, everything was signed off and, and all approvals all throughout it. And as I've gone forward, I've just removed all of those. So pretty much now the only place that I'm getting someone to sign anything is the original proposal and that's it. Maybe this is folly. We'll see. But I'm just trying to streamline the project at the moment or my, my process at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I know that um, um, for myself, at least anyway, my professional indemnity insurance requires me to have a sign off at the okay. end. So it might be, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's the same for yourself, but um, yeah, it, it might be something that is actually a better way to do it the way you're doing it. So I love, I love the idea of that because um, I've always thought is payment of your invoice, not sign off. Yeah, that or, makes sense yeah, to me. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. And you've got the email record. It's all there, the entire conversation. All three hundred emails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. We could talk I think we could talk about the, the email chains we end up with uh, for, for weeks on this one. All right. So you've talked about sort of, you know, how you've got a, a, a client that or you've had a client before in the past you've been willing to let go because of it, you know, issues. What about mm -hmm. something that you've absolutely just loved doing from start to finish? A great client you've worked with, um, and just the experience you had. That's an easy one. So recently I completed a project through an agency for a rickshaw company in Perth. Rickshaws, for people who don't know what they are, they're, they're like the three-wheeled bikes. So you, you've got two wheels at the back and like a seat for two people between those two wheels. And this company, Pedal Perth, they ride people around Perth CBD and Fremantle um, on like bar crawls and scavenger hunts and bucks and hens parties. And they do weddings as well and like Christmas lights tours. They do all this really fun stuff. 
And the reason it was such a fun project for me, I was, I was writing the entire website. It ended up being like 23 pages, right? Is because I could be super cheeky with the copy and I thrive being cheeky with copywriting. Um, you know, imagine what the actual service would be like. You're carting drunk idiots around on a rickshaw in the middle of the city from bar to bar. So the actual service is fun and chaotic and the, and the copy needed to reflect that. Um, and just to give you like a heads up of, of the sort of stuff I'd be writing on there. So this was for the Bucks and Hens party tour, right? So bar to bar, Bucks and Hens parties are fun, yeah, but fun isn't enough. It's your responsibility to inject a heavy dose of chaos and make it a night they'll never truly forget or never remember. Party with us and we promise you shenanigans and belly laughs from the moment you step onto a rickshaw to the moment you pass out in a dumpster at the end of the night. And that's that's the sort of stuff I got to write. It was it. so much that. fun. I, I absolutely love that. Like it, it's I've I've tried to write a bit edgy and sort of punchy stuff as well, and that that just, that really really speaks to me. So I love the um I love the sentiment uh, about you know not just and I think that's where your storytelling's come in as well, um, because you've been able to to say you know yeah that we all know what a hands night is we all know what a bucks party is, but you know, here's a great experience that you can go on. And then he's had to amplify that like a, a thousand fold by going on this, this tour, right. Or That's going exactly on the ritual. Right. Yeah, mm. no, absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. And that right. was fun also for like the, the type of copy that I was writing, you know, in, in that it was fun um, itself and chaotic, but also the actual project went super, super smoothly. Like I was, the way I delivered the copy, I was really happy with that. And the, the agency was super happy with that as well. Just from like beginning to end, there was good communication and the copy writing process went super smoothly. And the whole project was just like a genuine pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed the first part of the podcast, but we'll be back with Nick right after this. Well, my word-wielding comrades, we all know that one of the trickiest parts of freelance copywriting isn't drafting a killer headline or crafting compelling content. It's figuring out how much to price our work, right? Are we charging too little? Too much? Who knows? Just imagine that you had a crystal ball that could reveal what your fellow copywriters around the globe are charging. Well, my friends, get ready to peek into that crystal ball thanks to our sponsor this week, CopywritingRates.com. CopywritingRates.com is spearheading a global freelancer rates survey with the noble goal of demystifying the often confusing world of copywriting pricing. By compiling data on global copywriting pricing, they aim to arm us all with valuable information about our position in the market. So whether you're that fledgling freelancer questioning every quote you give, or the seasoned pro wondering if you could be earning more, this survey is your golden ticket to a treasure trove of insights. And the best part? By participating, you'll receive a free copy of the final report. Yes, you heard me right. Insight into the global pricing trends of our industry, completely free if you participate in the survey. So join the ranks of freelance copywriters around the globe who are stepping up to gain clarity and confidence in their pricing strategies. After all, knowledge is power. And this, my friends, is the ultimate power-up for your freelance journey. Head over to copywritingrates.com and make your voice heard. From the perspective of both, obviously, you know, a bad client and now, uh, or a, a, a poor client experience, I should say, and then a really great client experience. Tell me, what, what's your process for for handling like feedback and revisions from clients? Like you've mentioned before, you had like sort of you know three hundred odd emails. Um, yeah, you know, that's that obviously not sustainable there. But how, what what do you do to be able to actually handle those moments? I think to space it out, 
is important. So when you first give them something, I try and give them like just a skeleton draft, right? So it'll have roughly the structure of each page on, on a website, let's say. And I might put a few of the headings in there and then put a few dot points under each of those headings. And then I'll send that copy deck to them with an accompanying like Loom video where I'm you know, going through the document and explaining my thought processes behind it all. I send them that. So then if they're not happy with the initial direction of it, they can tell me early as opposed to later when I've you know, written out a full first draft. So doing that is sort of like a bit of an insurance plan. And also, yeah, just taking the project in steps you know, send them the first draft and, and explain to them like, you know, this is, it's still a, a putty that can be molded. You know, we can still do work with this. Um, and just, yeah, being super clear, like what version of the document it is that I'm sending to them and making it really obvious that yes, I, I want as much feedback from them as possible throughout the process. And I'll also give them hints and, and tips on how to provide feedback, the sorts of questions that they should be asking themselves when they're reading that copy. So then they can give me the best feedback possible and then I can write the best possible copy for them. So I've, yeah, I've been, I'm quite methodical about the revisions process and, and I give them as much information as I possibly can because clients a lot of the time, they don't know what they're looking for. And I think a lot of them, they just want a copywriter to come along and do the job. And then like, it's, it's all done and dusted, you know, like here's a complete package, but you've got to try and explain to them that like to make this copy amazing, it's we're collaborating, you know, we've got to work together and um, yeah, having a, a real like um, methodical system for that has been super useful to me. Using loom videos has been especially useful to me because they can hear my voice and I can, I can go through it um, at a nice pace and explain everything. Um, yeah, explain everything. It, it's super, Loom's a great tool for that stage of um, copywriting, the process. What about niching? Have you, uh, have, you, have you gone into a niche or anything or have you thought about a niche? I know you're only just a new sort of copywriter. You sort of in that more general space or are you looking to be able to niche to a particular vertical? Or? That word physically hurts me. Like I, I, I want to niche, I want to, but there's nothing that I'm interested in except for, as you said earlier, Guinness and also Magic the Gathering. Like I don't have any, um, any industries that I'm particularly obsessed about or particularly knowledgeable about. I'm a jack of all trades um, with my copywriting and I really like it that way. I really enjoy being able to pick up any project and get excited about it and learn about that industry and then write great copy. I. I haven't niched yet, but I've tried to specialize in um, the, the formats, I guess, of copy that I would write. So all of my advertising that I do is for website copywriting, but I sort of just like arbitrarily picked that. I, I sort of understand websites. So I was like, yeah, I'm a website copywriter. I'm just going to stick with that and see how I go. So in that way, I've been able to narrow down the sorts of jobs that I would take at least, but no, in terms of industry, I have not been able to do it. And people say do it because then you become, you can become like an expert in that field and people are paying you for your expertise in that field as well as your copywriting skills. So maybe in the future, I'd like to narrow down on a particular industry, but nothing has jumped out to me yet. And um, working with agencies is something that I'm enjoying at the moment. And if I'm going to continue doing so, they're going to give me all sorts of work. You know, it's not going to be for any specific industry. 
yeah but that's been my experience so far so i'm i'm happy to continue as a jack of all trades for the time being I, I, you know what i'd like to write copy for guinness that's not even a joke <laughs> the, the only thing is would, would would you take payment in guinness itself or would i you would of course, take payment of course. In dollars? i love right, some yeah. of their old ads like they've got them at my local pub clancy's they're like they're like these tin posters and there's like an image of this guy like pulling this massive fish out of the water with a fishing rod and then the text just says guinness for strength that's great <laughs> yeah I, I, I do admit like some of those older copywriting um like advertorial advertorials that were done many many years ago like back right back in the, the sort of starting of the marketing I, mm. I love some of those ones. Yeah, do you have anything that's like just off nick brand that you would want to go work with or some someone who just mm. some other type of company or product you'd just be like yeah that'd be to be honest i i get excited about some software that i use and i wouldn't mind writing about that because it makes my life a whole lot easier and i know from experience that you know it makes my whole life my life a whole lot easier for instance you got me onto tidy cow the other day right so it's just like a, a booking software the, the equivalent of calendly but it's like a, a one-time payment and i had some sort of like payment issue there you know you know what it was when i went to go and assign my purchase to my email account i forgot the l in gmail i was half asleep no. so so it ended up going through to some non-existent email and I contacted them and, and told them the problem and had a bit of a laugh about it. And the guy from Tidy Cal and I, we had a bit of a, a chat over emails and I was like, hey, I love your, your, your product here. It's amazing, especially the whole one-time payment thing. If you're ever looking for a copywriter, hit me up. And he was like, yeah, we'll put you at the top of the list. So uh, honestly, I wouldn't mind writing for yeah, some software that's helped me make like grow my business and improve my copywriting skills. That'd be cool. That's probably a perfect segue then. Um, talking about software, talking about tools and resources and things. Do you have a, any kind of things you could you could give to the audience and the listeners on what, what sort of tools you use or what type of tools you would recommend? All right, tools. I would, as I said before, I'd highly recommend Loom. It's such a powerful tool because you don't have to make like a super high quality video with Loom. You know, the, the, you don't need to do any editing or anything like that. It's just sort of like a, a one-way video call in a way. Um, super easy to use. And I, I use it like almost every single day in my business for yeah, communication when I'm sick of emailing people or you know running through a copy deck or some like I do free website reviews um, and some paid website reviews for people. And I use Loom for that. Um, in my District 32 networking group that I've been going to for the past few months, to prove my worth to the other people in the network, I've been doing a bit of work for them. And that might be like writing the homepage of their website or something like that. And I'll go through that Google doc, the copy deck of their homepage in Loom and send that to them. And they respond really, really well to that. So that's just been a, like such a, such a handy tool for communication. I love it. And another one that I use every day and I've sort of like forgotten that I use it. It's just become an unconscious part of my, like my working process, right? It's called simple sticky notes. And essentially it's just like a, a sticky note and you know, PC like windows and all of that have these programs built into them. Um, but it's a sticky note that like sits at the very front of your screen and it will stay there. Like no matter what you do with your windows in the background, 
until you close it. You can, you know, drag it all over the screen and change the transparency of it. It's just fantastic to have like a little scratch pad there. So I might be having a meeting with someone. I'm like, oh, I need to jot something down. And I can just click on that and start typing. I don't have to open up any other programs or anything like that. That's that's a fantastic little tool. I, I use that every single day, even just for like copying and pasting, you know. You might want to copy some copy from some other website, like the original website, and you're doing like a website revamp and you want to, you know, use that to write the new copy and just put that onto sticky notes and it's there in front of you and you can type on your Google Doc while looking at that. It's it's such a handy little tool. Okay. So you, you mentioned that you also have read a few books there as well. Like you've got Think Grow and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I think that's, that's one you mentioned before, yeah. um, which we'll add a link to the show notes uh in in there for people to be able to go and take a look at what about other other book resources or other other people that influence you uh you know just just your copywriting you even just your mentality your, your business running anything any sort of books that you'd otherwise recommend to people either getting started or who are in the industry oh well, i'm reading breakthrough advertising at the moment and a lot of people recommend that one i'm not too far into it but that's been super insightful so far it seems really practical Another big one is the the Copywriter's Handbook. Uh, someone is it Robert Blythe or someone Bly? He's a super famous copywriter apparently, and that's fantastic as well. It gives you real like actionable steps that you can take to become a better copywriter. So those those books there, and honestly, just reading in general. You know, even if that's fiction, because you're you're looking at words. You know, you're looking at sentences and how people form them and how they generate cadence in paragraphs and, and all of that. So yeah, just reading anything in general, I think is going to make you a better copywriter yeah, reading the flavor that. text on magic, the gathering cards as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think anything that you can, you can lay your hands on and that that's probably the, the definitely from the fiction perspective, a lot of, a lot of advice about fiction will tell you, you know, you should read more than you write. You should just consume, consume, consume. So you can sort of you know, get all those different ways of writing and, break it down in your own mind. If you had a, a, a crystal ball and you could look into the future of copywriting, where do you think it's going? Like we've got AI, we've got all this other, other fancy stuff that's going on at the moment. From, from a really brand new copywriter's perspective, mm. where do you see the industry going? It's so hard to tell. You know, I sort of fluctuate between fear and excitement with all of that stuff. I think, you know, people think that AI is going to put us all out of work, but I I think the general consensus among copywriters at least is that no, it's just going to be another tool in our arsenal. And I, I feel more strongly about that the more and more that I use AI. It it's you need to know what good writing is and what good copy is to get full use out of something like chat GTP. If you don't know what prompts to give it and you don't know what you're looking for, and if you don't know what you want then it's not really going to be that useful to you. It's not thinking from like a strategic point of view, you know, it's not like, how can I, you know, from, from beginning to end, how can I um, get people excited about this particular, you know, product or service and how, like, you know, it's not doing that overarching brand stuff and strategy stuff. And you still need someone to like put all of the pieces together. And the copy is just one piece of the puzzle. A lot of the time when you're writing copy for someone, you've got to go, right back and and help these clients like identify their brand and understand the benefits of their products and services as opposed to just like the features and all of that stuff it becomes like a it's a holistic service you know it's comprehensive 
chat GTP doesn't really do that. I've found, you know, if you want to use it just for copywriting, it's not going to be a very effective tool. So yeah, as, as I learn more and more about it, I get less and less afraid. And I think we should just naturally, we should just be trying to implement it into our work process anyway. So then we don't fall behind, you know? Yeah, I um, totally agree. It's, it's one of those, um, it's one of those nebulous things at the moment where it's so new that everyone sort of very quickly jumped on it. And like, you know, I think a lot of copywriters have had that fear moment where they're like, oh, you know, now my client can just go off and write their own copy, but you're absolutely yeah. right. If you don't know what good copy is, you don't know how to construct great copy or even just just the understanding of like a, a simple framework or a flow or, or any any of that kind of stuff applied to it um yeah. it'll get you somewhere but it won't get you to you know the best copywriting you'll ever write that's for sure and Combined i think with- it's really important for copywriters and, and people in our industry to educate clients about that and other brands and businesses about that and you've been doing that a fair bit on linkedin you know just talking about like the pros and cons of using AI and your copywriting process and, and you know, how potential clients are um, trying to run your copy through AI detection tools and, and it'll come up and say that something that has been written by ChatGTP solely was written by a human and vice versa. So I think it's really important just to educate the general public and people with businesses about, yeah, the pros and cons of, of AI and why a flesh and blood copywriter is still super, super important. And I really respect that you've been doing that. And a lot of other people on LinkedIn have been um, leading the charge there. And that's crucial, I think. Yeah, it's definitely something that's, um, I mean, from my perspective, and I don't want to talk about myself too much, but um, something I, I noticed a little while ago was these all these detectors popping out. And I'm like, oh, you know, how good are they actually at detecting mm. AI stuff? And I realized that if you just write a simple one sentence thing to chat GPT and you say, hey, give me this, sure, it'll it'll detect it. But if you start to actually really finesse it and you start to, you know, not just work the prompt, but understand how to better edit the copy yourself, then, you know, most of those detectors are pretty useless at that point. Yeah. So, all right, Nick, it's been fantastic having you on the show today. Where can our listeners find you? So pretty much you can learn everything about me on my website, which is nickpetrucopywriter.com. So all of my copywriting stuff is on there, like all the different projects I've worked on. And then there's also a page where I've centralized all of my creative projects. So you can check out my uh, my flash fiction and my short stories, also D&D stuff, interactive fiction, and also the podcast I made with my friend Patrick called Spinning Yarns with Nick and Patty, where we read our own stories and poems and then critique them and swear at each other a whole bunch. So everything that you need to know about me is all on my website. Amazing. Thanks for being here again. No worries at all, Tim. Thanks for having me, mate. And I like, really love what you're doing here. And I think you're going to bring a lot of value to the copywriting community for sure. All right, Word Wranglers, we've scribbled our way right to the very end of another thrilling episode of The Right Shift. An enormous thank you goes out to my guest today, Nick Petru. To learn more about Nick and the amazing stuff he's putting out into the world, check out his links and the links he mentioned in the episode show notes. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of our sponsors. And a special shout-out goes to this episode's sponsor, copywritingrates.com. You can find out more information about their fantastic global freelancer copywriting rates survey, of course, over at copywritingrates.com. 
Also, don't forget to follow and subscribe to The Right Shift on your favorite podcast platform so you won't ever miss an upcoming episode. And while you're there, if you've enjoyed listening to The Right Shift today, then leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you happen to have listened to the show. It helps more people discover the podcast and join our ever-growing community of phenomenal freelance copywriters. But until next time, remember, you've been listening to The Right Shift. Shift.